Welcome to Location Cube, Weaver's Beyond the Numbers real estate podcast. I'm Howard Altshuler, Weaver's real estate and construction leader, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Griss, Weaver's real estate tax leader. Today we have two guests joining us, um, Rory and Ryan McGuire, the co-owners of CHC Development. And Rory and Ryan are going to talk to us today about their projects going on, a little bit of history about their company, and what's going on in South Fort Worth, close to where their office is. So why don't we start with um, y'all give a little bit of introduction about yourselves. Sure. Go for it, Rory. Sure. Well, we, uh, we're identical twins, grew up uh, in Denton, Texas, and uh, kind of quickly realized we wanted to be in real estate development um, as teenagers and set off um, as college students to civil engineering school and quickly learned we want to go different directions. So we um, split off. Ryan's a civil engineer by training. I did a business degree, started in brokerage right over here and uh, brought that together in 2011 after we both had been in development and I was in private equity um, to start our company, CHC Development, and um, learned a lot along the way from being a teenager to um being 33 years old about what real estate development was. Uh, we thought it was all design and picking the architecture and mm -hmm. colors of buildings. And um, that's, you know, 2% of the job maybe. So uh, learned a lot about it and uh, yeah, started our company in 2011 and coming out of uh, the great recession and really had very good timing. We could kind of feel that we were starting to come off the bottom there and it's been a really good run up till the last year or so. <laughs> yeah. Prior to CHC, I went from, I'm a licensed engineer and, and we both did graduate degrees at UTA as well. And we, I went into real estate development and that's where I was until we started our company. Rory went into private equity after a couple of years of real estate development and he flew all over the world, um, opened an office in London. And um, so he really got more of the finance side of the business um, in detail. Um, engineering background, I clearly got more of the construction side of the business, which is the clear divide of our company. Rory focuses more on um, debt and equity relationships. I focus more on consultants and cities. Do you guys want to talk about the early days of CHC and kind of up to what you guys are doing today? Sure. Um, you know, starting off like anybody starting a company, I mean, you're just trying to make money. Um, so we found a quick kind of flip retail deal, which we were able to turn in 15 months and a couple subdivision deals, which we had both had a background in um, entitling developing subdivisions uh, pretty quickly uh, had had met a brokerage group in Dallas that focused on medical office. And um, really, they were a great fit. They needed new buildings and high growth areas in North Dallas. Um, and a development team that they could trust to go do that. We had done quite a bit of business with that team in our previous careers. Um, and that led to, you know, a number of years where we were doing two or three projects a year, medical office developments, and uh, still working with a lot of those doctors today on their second or third project. Um, so it was really, um, it's really fortunate because yeah. um, medical office is probably the easiest thing to zone <laughs> and the easiest thing to um, have a bank lend on. So um, it's usually 10 year leases, doctors, good credit. It's just kind of easy real estate. What's impossible about it is, um, you know, getting into it. Um, that relationship that we had really, um, you know, his introduction to the doctors he was introducing us to 
just got everybody comfortable really quick. So yeah, we it, it became a real system of just meet the doctor, understand where the doctor wants their building, mm-hmm. and and just start you know churning two or three of those out a year. And and once you have a portfolio of medical office development, it makes it a lot easier to go meet with doctors and do another deal and, so and investors. If it was so easy, everyone would be doing it, right? So that relationship is probably key, right? Right. Yep. Right. He retired a few years ago. He lives in Colorado, and um, good for him. We text, chat with him all the time. Um, he loves to tell us what the weather's like every day. <laughs> Especially um, now, it, now when it's like 107 today. Yes. So he loves it all last week. Um, and so, yeah, we'd luckily we still have, you know, some of those relationships in the buildings. We've continued to manage sold most of those buildings, we continue to manage almost all of them. Mm-hmm. So we still have a direct relationship with those, those doctors. And um, that's really how we, how we grew for the first seven or eight years. And then we started to move more into mixed use, retail development, general office, and then doing more acquisition redevelopment. Okay. Let me, let me keep you on medical office for a second. So, I mean, I guess to your point about the zoning entitlement, you don't have people screaming up and down, no, we don't want doctors in our neighborhood. Right. So that helps. Although it seems like they tend to be clustered around hospitals. Um, at least that's what, like I'm out in Flower Mound and there's the hospital up on 2499. I think it's Presbyterian one. And it's just, you know, up and down for about a mile in each direction is a lot of medical office. Um, but I think we had a discussion about this once before. I think in a lot of cases, you have like a doctor sponsor who's kind of the owner of the building, and then you have leases for other doctors, or is it more a matter of you guys own the whole building and lease it to everybody? In every case, except for one, we have always, we have owned the building. Okay. Um, what we, our typical you know, structure there is really just favorable for the doctor, and that is you sign a lease, we give you an option to buy the building at a set price in the lease. You got a window, mm-hmm. 18 to 24 months to do that. Um, during that time, we're leasing up the rest of your building for you. So the doctor has to sign a lease, is out um, security deposit and first month's rent. That's all the cash they're outlined and a 10-year guarantee. Uh, that's enough to get it financed. And, and so they don't have to really think about it until mm-hmm. the building's stabilized and they're ready to buy. Okay. And that's been our fair, and you know, sometimes the doctors invest with us, sometimes they don't. But but to the first part of your question, um, we we don't focus on medical office near hospitals. <clears throat> and I don't know if we coined the phrase, but we've been saying it a long time. Like we work with retail doctors, right. doctors that want to be um, easy access, visible near neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So these are pediatricians, dentists, all the dental specialties. But it's it's. ENTs and ophthalmologists and physical therapists and ABA clinics and it's all kinds of of doctors or medical related fields that don't need to be next to or want to be next to a big hospital. They want to be next to rooftops. So they're acting like a retailer and more and more so they want the same visibility. They want their patients to be able to drive right up and park right in front of the door. So that brings up a really good question because I read an article talking about retail developments and it's like, you know, you always seem to see a hair salon and a nail salon together, um, lunch places and dinner places and all that. Is there a formula like that with doctors? You like you want to have an orthodontist and a dentist or an eye doctor and, I don't know, a pediatrician or? Number one, just about every retail center you drive by that's a multi-tenant building, there's a dentist in there. 
I mean, or some medical use. Right, it's okay. pretty common. They'll they'll go in retail. That's how bad they want that visibility and signage. Mm-hmm. I but, guess like, I see a lot of emergency clinics and retail centers. Yeah, yeah. But uh, certainly, you know, um, uh, pediatricians. They're the, they're your anchor. Okay. In in that world, um, they're a huge refer- referral source for almost all the other specialty re- so if you have retail doctors. You kind of know you're going to get the orthodontist and the pediatric dentist. Sure. I mean that's kind of a automatic. Okay. Which means you're which means you're going to be targeting the younger neighborhoods, the starter home neighborhoods, where where there's going to be more children. We're targeting developing areas that are affluent, good school districts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty much check those boxes and you're... And generally target being next to the schools. Mm-hmm. So our very first development in Trophy Club was across the street from the high school, adjacent to the middle, and less than a mile away from the elementary. And, I mean, that's prime time <clears throat> medical development. Yeah, I'm just thinking about my neighborhood in North Arlington, um, the whole retail strip center, only uh, medical office. Yeah. Um, probably 10, 15 offices and mm-hmm. a mile from the school. Right so, yep. Did you offer that one? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that was the first part of y'all's um, business. And now you say you're more into the mixed use and non-medical retail. It, it's been a natural gravitation, really. I mean, it's just the, the projects that have been put in front of us that we decided we really wanted to go do. And um, we we've officed for a long time now, just south of downtown Fort Worth on South Main, and um, that's a redeveloping area, uh, South Main Urban Village. Um, we were paying rent to a, another local real estate developer for years, just looking for our own project that we could buy and develop ourselves, and finally did, and that project alone has led us to two other retail developments, one just down the road from our current building, uh, which is a mixed-use building and two-story, and another one in North Fort Worth, that's a little over 20,000 square feet of, of retail. Um, and and so, I mean, it's just kind of been a natural. Yeah, I mean. We didn't we didn't seek out to just go do more retail than medical office. It's, it's just been a natural. When we say redevelopment, we're not generally looking for projects that are 50% leased and we're going and making it look a little different on the outside mm-hmm. and dressing it up. Or are you generally talking about pretty significant construction. So we bought 80,000 square feet of office in Louisville, four-story building. It was completely gutted when we bought it and had to have completely new entrances built. There was a lot of construction involved. That felt really good to us because everyone else was like, wow, how are we gonna, how are we gonna do this? But we feel comfortable with the construction side, so it was a good fit. Same with our South Main projects. I mean, those buildings, I mean, they don't look anything <laughs> like they did the day yeah. we bought them. So what are your what are some of your biggest challenges for a project like that? I mean, really, it's you know the biggest challenge is finding the real estate at the right price. Mm-hmm. Always, um, you know, if we can get it at the right price, I mean, we're pretty good at you know knowing what it's going to take to get it where we need to get it to really retenant the building. Um, and that disconnect is is growing further and further apart because construction costs have gone up 40 percent the last two years in a row, at, at least at least, but prices have also gone up. So you're paying more um, for the building and paying a lot more for the construction and rents haven't met, rents haven't met the new pricing model. So 
going back to the office, your office, there's a story behind that. Because mm-hmm. y'all bought a building, and to your point, it looks nothing like no. what it did when yeah, you bought it. it. It was a warehouse. I think it was originally developed for Fort Worth ISD as a bus maintenance facility. Um, and for, for years, it had been Chambers but, Brick. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Chambers Brick moved in. Most of it was warehouse. He had a little show showroom, and um, we uh, got introduced to him uh, through a mutual friend, and basically just you know, at the first meeting, just threw out, you know, I would think it's worth around X. And he's like, all right, all right, I'll keep you guys in mind. And at that meeting, he said, you're the fifth developer today to walk into my office. So his almost full city block was highly sought after. Um, and it took him almost over a year. Over a year. He called me up and he's like, well, it's getting a little too nice around here for me. I think it's, I think he got his property tax notice, <laughs> and uh, and uh, he said, "Why don't you guys come and come and talk to me?" And basically, we were the only one that was reasonable when we threw out what we thought the property was worth, and we literally put it under contract for that number um, and moved forward with it. Months later, so we thought he was going to, yeah, you know, sell to somebody else or get a better offer, but he said, "I'll sign a contract with you as soon as I have my new property under contract." or purchased. And so months later, it's like, well, I closed and he signed the contract that day. And um, we started the redevelopment. Fortunately, costs had gone up on us over that period of time, but you know, um, it's still a great project right in the heart of what's going on in South Maine. Now, I think redevelopment might be a little bit of an understatement because it was a one-story building and now it's a two-story <laughs> building. In that case. It is, <laughs> we got lucky. When they, the original building was a, uh, which they really don't do much anymore, but it was a 12 inch thick poured in place concrete wall all the way around, uh, double reinforced. And, you know, so we had the whole sonar scanned uh, and um, structural engineers like, this is great. We can use this to support the second floor. Had to add four columns, but we do use the original structure quite a bit too. The engineer in him is coming out. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we got lucky. We got lucky. and yeah, use inspiration from a couple of buildings that we loved. One of which was in New York. Another was actually in Dallas, um, downtown Dallas, and set the architects off to design something with mm-hmm. that as inspiration that was affordable. And they did a great job. I mean, I mean, you guys have seen yeah, it. Yeah, we've been up to your office. It's beautiful. Uh, full glass, second floor, mm-hmm. uh, with you know, large overhanging soffits, and looks great. Yep. And you guys are doing the um, building next door now, right? Yep. Yeah, got a three-story building going up that's very complementary to our current building um, and got a lot of leasing activity on that. Pretty exciting right now. Um, should be done here in a few months, um, right. ready, ready for tenants to start moving in. So we're trying to figure out our tenant mix, and but pretty exciting. Expect to have like ground floor retail and then probably office above? That That is what it's looking like okay. right now. Um, you know, there's the original plan, and it's shaping up about like that right now. Yep. Okay. okay. Yep. So we go to a bunch of happy hours over close to your office. Um, it seems like a great spot to to have an adult beverage on Friday afternoons or so. That whole neighborhood is just taking off. And so what's kind of what's been the, if you can kind of think about it, what's been the, um, what's caused it to be growing the way it is, and what do you foresee for, you know, the next five or so years? Roy and I might have some different answers on this one, but I mean, I think 
to me, the biggest thing I'm seeing is the multifamily. It's very high quality multifamily. You've got a lot of young professionals that make good money that can't even find a house. Nobody can find a house. The home prices are ridiculous. So they want to be in a more sophisticated, fun, live, work, play type area. And West 7th, frankly, um, you know, was I think that was more of the TCU market, younger the kids mm-hmm. that wanted to hit the bars all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think the step up from that multifamily is the multifamily in South Maine. Okay. Yeah, and I think that started on, I mean, years ago, it started on Magnolia. And that was, there was still a very good restaurant scene, still lots of good multifamily there. It's adjacent to Fairmount, a great neighborhood. Um, but that was kind of getting done. And this has great proximity to downtown. I mean, for us, we started on West 7th when we, opened the company, we officed on West 7th in the heart of it. And in, in, in your building. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, in the building you guys are in. And, I mean, we loved it, but then it would take us a long time to get on the interstate and actually get to meetings. And yeah. um, what we found moving over to that area is, I mean, we can be on any interstate headed any direction in under five minutes. Uh, so I think just access and then just, yeah, the quality of what's being built there. The multifamilies bringing in all the retail and restaurants and bars and I mean, it feels like there's already a lot there, but there's so much more coming right now. And we have one building that's about to have three different restaurants open in the next four months. And yeah, I think when we moved into our building in West 7, 13, 14 years ago, there's kind of a good mix of bars and restaurants. And then mm-hmm. over the years, it kind of became more and more nightlife, right? Yep, that's right. And maybe drove out some of the upper 20s, 30-somethings. That's to, what. That's kind of what we're seeing. Yeah. You know, is right. when you're, you know, you know, in your mid to younger 20s, you really love that West yeah. 7th area mm-hmm. for the nightlife and you kind of eventually grow out of that a little bit, I think. And sure. I think we're seeing a, a pretty good young professional, late 20s, early 30s coming into South Maine. And so with everything going on downtown, like with the A&M campus, the new tower at the Omni, um, potentially maybe renovating T&P, et cetera, how is that going? Mm-hmm. Is that going to be a positive or a negative or kind of a non-event for for where y'all are at well, or for I, that neighborhood. I think it just continues to connect downtown to that corridor, this corridor just south of I-30. I mean, it's all, they're redoing that underpass too, mm-hmm. to make it well lit and mm-hmm. bringing art into the into it. And um, I think it's only a positive. And I think, and I think it's happening on the north side of downtown as well. Um, right. We've made a pretty big bed up there. Uh, we bought a 45,000 foot building to redevelop that. That's just south of the stockyards, correct? That's right. just south. So of not the quite to Panther Island. Very close to Joe T's. North of okay. North Panther right. Island, south of the stockyards. I think, I think the push is headed south out of downtown, and there's so much development in South Downtown. But I also think there's a big push that's going to happen north with Panther mm-hmm. Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think Main Street's a pretty good place to be in Fort Worth. Would agree. So in today's market, general question of real estate, inflation. What are some of y'all's biggest challenges you're seeing? I mean, interest rates kind of comes up as number one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's not. It's not. It's not just adding two hundred thousand dollars of interest carry to your budget because the interest rate's eight and a quarter versus five. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really these debt service coverage ratios that every bank tests to, you know, at least a one two. So, just for everyone's knowledge, if you don't know. Um, <laughs> They want to see that your building produces at least 120% of what is required to pay the debt service. Right. Mm-hmm. And while we could have a building that's 
we can build and it's affordable and we can get at least but these interest rates are causing us, you know, now that we're testing at a nine and a half versus used to be testing at a six, it's requiring 35, 36, 37 dollar rents with today's construction pricing in order to hit a one two. Right. <clears throat> we're just not seeing these markets quite get there. I mean, we're pushing Prosper to 33.50 a foot, pushing North Fort Worth to 34. We are getting leases signed, but banks still really want to see 35, 36 to be a comfortable one two five debt cover. Um, and, and that's the big hurdle. And you couple that with the construction costs we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like everything's working against us. Right. So then you can put 30% more equity in your project so you can hit your debt cover no problem. But now your returns don't look like you want them to. Right. right. Well, and, and I was going to ask that because you guys, you guys generally tend to syndicate your deals. And so has the cost of equity gone up as fast as the cost of debt? Or are you getting close to where they're kind of getting close together because you know you talk about eight and a quarter on interest and you know a, a decent pref and you know in my mind is always like eight to ten it's ten so right. right it's getting close they're getting closer interesting so at what point do you go you know what we're just gonna do this with equity we've run those models mm-hmm. uh, but you still like to think over a five-year period that interest rates will come down using some leverage should still help um, running all equity models still generally produces pretty low returns. Mm-hmm. If you can if you can go into a deal today that cash flows nicely, so you could actually find something that you thought you were buying on 10 cap or close to it, which we are not seeing those cap rates at all. I mean, not even close, then all equity would probably work pretty well. I think investors would be all for it. Like very little risk mm-hmm. on the debt market. Let's buy it all cash. It produces cash immediately. Once debt cut back, we'll, we'll take out a big chunk of this and and add some leverage. Um, we honestly haven't seen much of a change in cap rates, maybe 50 basis points on new construction. <clears throat> right. And you also said you just recently refinanced a property. And so did you guys have, first off, how long of a loan did you get? And then secondly, did you have to get a cap or a swap or anything like that associated with it? Yeah, we did. We did an ARC loan, which is like a swap, but it, it fixed the rate um, at basically 7% for three years, and um, which was considerably less than the floating rate we were on. And so allowed us to start making distributions to our investors and immediately. And um, so we were excited to, uh, to get that figured out. Okay. So with today's lending environment and some banks reluctant to do real estate deals, what was that process like? Well, that one was pretty interesting because it was a larger office property. Um, Larger, it was 80,000 feet, not that big, but still big enough that most banks that we sent it to, like, yeah, we're really not, we're not looking at office right now Mm -hmm. as as anything we're going to lend on. Um, But we've met a few banks that were like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll look at it. It's, I think the downtown core, you know, three or 400,000 square foot buildings are what banks are really kind of fearful of right now. This was not that. Um, right. It was in a submarket, you know, Louisville. Uh, we had a really good basis in the project. Basically, eighty so, percent leased up, um, yeah. and, and more leases working. Um, it's it's so we found project. Um, a few banks that were willing to to look at it. Fixed rate lending, though, we did need the you know basically a swap right, to right. get it down to seven percent. Three years felt right. 
hopefully we're on a better better environment in a few years from now. That's what everybody's saying. Yeah. So we'll see. We, we think we think we're. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Okay. So one of the things that we've always talked about on this podcast has been office. Um. There's I know there's a lot of people who feel like office you know start writing the obituaries or continue writing the obituaries. I've always been a little bit more of an opti or a lot more of an optimist. Um, from an office standpoint, recognizing, you know, that there's, you know, some properties are good, some bad. Interestingly enough, I just read over the weekend that for the first time, the U.S. has had a negative um, amount of office space in total between um, absorption, no building, and conversions. The amount of office space in total has gone down for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. um, What's y'all's view on the office? Let's, and I'm thinking, you know, five to ten years out. Well, you know, when the when the pandemic hit, I think we all had just a lot of questions. Our team really didn't miss a beat. We all started working from home. You know, team Zoom. You know, mm -hmm. all of it worked really, really well. We didn't run into any issues until we were, you know, a year in and needing to hire and train and the ability to hire and train effectively went down significantly and i want to feel i want to feel like a lot of companies are dealing with that so just to answer the question at a high level our leasing activity across the board is as strong as it's ever been and that includes all of our office projects we bought a building two years ago north side mm -hmm. the building we discussed earlier um the vintage building historic it's a hundred year old building this year and we've done a lot of renovations to it. It was 60% now, 40% 40 lease. lease when we bought it. Well, average rents were probably $16, $17 gross. We're signing all leases today at $28 plus E. I don't think there's been a point in time in the last two months when I haven't been working at least five leases. We're over 80% at this point. So it's about to slow down. So we've almost doubled rent in the last two years on that project. Um, and it just, it's attorneys and consultants and CPAs and they all still want an office to go to. And I, I still think that's going to be around. I do think also to your point, when there's 52 million square feet vacant in New York city, something's, something's going to change. And so I think the East and West coasts are going to get hit pretty hard with some of that. Yeah. Um, it feels like. Well, we have dealt with some downsizing. Certainly, we just had a tenant this last week tell us they think they're going to start working remotely. And but we've got two tenants we're working to come in and fill that space. And so, yeah, for our mid-level, mid-rise office type product, we haven't seen any slowdown in leasing whatsoever. I think what Rory said earlier about you know your your large, big downtown office buildings, you know that that would have me fearful if we had a big portfolio of those right now. But that's, um, but that's more about attracting employees, I think. Um, we think, like where we're at in the south side, why we like doing this three-story office that we came out of the ground with spec, you know, last fall. Right. And felt comfortable doing it is that this is where people are going to want to be because they can attract employees to work here. Mm -hmm. And so, we know from talking to other large employers that have downtown presence, they're having a much easier time with their offices that are in far north Dallas. Um because that's where people want to work. They want to live and prosper and not commute all the way to downtown. That totally makes sense. And do you, so you mentioned like the attorneys, the CPAs, et cetera. How many, if, if you had to 
guess how much of your new tenants are generally newer companies as opposed to companies that are, say, moving? Almost all of ours are existing that are expanding. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have some. company just had, so just had a real estate company expand from Dallas to open in Fort Worth, one of our projects. Same with law firm, um, mortgage companies now wanting to double in space, but they're well known. They're a large, large mortgage okay. brokerage. Yeah. I mean, we have a couple startups, but you know, not many. The, I all think, our projects on South Main, those are all well-established, if not regional, national type type tenants that we're talking to. I guess we do have one startup. We do have one. I mean, it's. I think we see more typically in our um, older office product that's you know second, third generation type space, lower lease rates, of course. Mm-hmm. You see more startup, shorter term leases mm-hmm. on those projects, but we're not having to put in near as much um, in a sense of dollars to get them in there. And new product that's shell that is going to cost the freight to get them in there. That's typically an established, okay. well-established company and longer leases. Makes sense. Yeah, my, my expectation has always been kind of, you know, the startups are going to be what's carrying things going forward because there was so much disruption in startups from the pandemic. There'll be enough of them that are successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, I do think medical office, I think we're going to see a, pretty good slowdown in startups and medical office for the foreseeable future. I think I think the construction costs have gotten so out of whack. Retailers are able to just charge more. Mm-hmm. They can adjust in order to get the you know the higher rent the landlord needs to go into that new location and a doctor's still making the same amount of money. Yeah. It's coming out of their back pocket. And I think it's getting harder and harder for doctors to make sense of that. Yeah, it's won't get into insurance and right. medical, you know, companies and all that stuff. So right, right, right. and it's yeah. not—it's just not just rent. It is the yeah. triple nets too. Taxes have killing us. Doubled yeah. over the last ten years. Insurance, so insurance has yeah. doubled over the last probably several about years. to triple. Mm-hmm. I mean, so do you guys have any other projects of note going on? Uh, we do have one project under contract. Um, it was an off-market transaction, so uh, kind of really fell in our lap, but 337 acres in Kerrville. Kerrville's kind of the northwest San Antonio, mm-hmm. 45 minutes to an hour northwest, on Interstate 10 um, in the Hill Country. It's a beautiful property. So this property uh, is adjacent to the regional airport and the airport needs to expand. They only need 50 acres. They've never been able to buy it from uh, this family that's owned it for over a hundred years. Um, that family's to a point where they're selling and it, hired a representative in Dallas to help him do that, which is how it kind of got to us. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, through a friend in Austin. Um, <laughs> right. It's a crazy story. Um, and so, yeah, we're pretty close to getting that one closed. It should close in September. Yeah, we'll be down there next week and, meeting with the airport and the county and everybody again. So, yeah, it'll be a ranchette-type development, typical hill country um, ranchettes, to, you know, 11 to 20-acre Right. Uh, ranchettes and then also worked with the airport to sell them that land they've so badly wanted for years. Um, that'll be a little bit of a process, but I think it's kind of a win-win for everybody. It gives us a pretty solid story um, in that we've got immediate demand for 50 acres um, that we can, can sell and then have a very good basis in the remaining mm-hmm. 270 to go develop a ranchette deal. I've got a client doing that up in somewhere along the Brazos. Um, and I think they had 
you know, one big ranch that they're turning into about 10 or so. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the numbers look very promising on that. Yeah. Right. Land is, land's kind of the one thing we didn't talk about earlier that is also really playing into everything that's going on right now because land prices are not coming down. Um, you know, you kind of feel like, well, if the tenants can't pay the rent, the construction costs have gone up, the one thing that has to happen is land prices have to come down. But um, we've been fortunate. We've bought a couple land tracks in Forney, um, and Tom Thumb, after we bought them, announced they're going right across the street. And we've had strong pad site sales. I mean, we, we're not seeing we're not seeing land prices in the DFW market come down at all. It's impossible to find land. We love finding land, but um, but it's a big focus that we have right now because it doesn't require debt. Mm-hmm. And right. so, if we can find good land opportunities, we it's good. It's a good time to buy if we can find them, but it's right. really hard to find. So, when y'all come back in a couple of years, you'll be talking about the CHC Land Bank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I hope so. We're not telling you everywhere we're looking. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> well, you're, you're maybe vastly over-assuming the number of listeners on this, especially at this point in the podcast. <laughs> Well, Ryan and Rory, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate the time. Yeah. Um, this is all the time we have on Location Cube. Be sure to catch all of our previous podcasts on Weaver.com. <laughs>